Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Great is our God and he is greatly to be praised. What an amazing God you are. My grandmother would say that you sit high and you look low. You're so big, nobody can get around you. And we are grateful, oh God, that we serve not a weak and a passive and a small God, but a big God that is not so big that he doesn't want relationship, but one that's close. And we thank you, oh God. You've been faithful to us even when we've been faithless with you. You've been kind to us even though we've neglected you. You've been good to us even though we have not returned the favor. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, for grace today. Pray today for mercy today. And we cry out that you are great. And if we say that you're great, that means nobody else is greater than you. Father, we've tried it. We've searched. We can't find nobody. We can't find no name that's greater than the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, that's why we gather here today. We pack into this room, oh God, not to see what each other have on. But we pack in this room, oh God, because we want to cry out, great is our God. And he is greatly to be praised. And so, Father, we thank you. Would you be with us for the remainder of our gathering? May you be glorified, not unto us, not unto us, but unto you get the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continuously be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. Someone should magnify the Lord right there with me and let us exalt his name together. Great is our God. I'm so excited to be back with you today. I missed y'all. I did. I missed y'all. I have um, my family and I have been on vacation uh, not just vacation, but a sabbatical, a three and a half week sabbatical where uh, we've disconnected, deeply disconnected. I, I know I have a lot of texts that I have to return back to some of you. I haven't taken any meetings. No, I haven't checked any emails. My emails are full right now. Um, I, I haven't preached in the last three weeks. I've literally just been disconnected and it's been good. Sometimes, you know, you just got to do that. You just got to kind of pull away. I told you guys before, it's Vance Havner that said, if you don't come apart, you'll fall apart. And so it's important sometimes to just disconnect for your own, because sometimes we give out so much that you don't realize that you're depleted until it's too late. Uh, But I got two kids and a wife and I want to be around for a long time. And so we disconnected uh, and uh, I'm excited to be back with you today. Shout out to all of our staff that uh, has kept things together, Gabe and Lameek and Ed. Man, I am grateful. Thank you. Grateful for you guys and all of our leaders as well. If you lead in any capacity, uh, can we thank God for our worship team? Man, I don't know if y'all are thinking what I'm thinking, but I want to know what's up under that tape on uh, on Jeremiah. Y'all, y'all, everybody ask him afterwards to give a, give you a little peek. But I'm grateful for our worship team, our hospitality. Can we thank God for our hospitality team and our AV team? Our parents should thank God for our children's ministry and 
man, everyone who held things down and uh, not just um, not, not just our leaders and our staff, but I thank God for those who preached over the last three weeks while I was out. Pastor Timmy, can we thank God for him? Man, pretty boy Vern from Philadelphia preached a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Carlos, he was in the first service. Uh, Carlos preached last week. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, when I'm out of town, I know that the gospel is still being proclaimed and the word of God is still, word of God is still being preached. Uh, and while I was away, I, I really did. I prayed a lot for you guys. I thought about you guys a lot. And I, I really feel strongly that God has given some clarity and um, crystallized some things and given some instructions. And today I'd like to work through some of it. So if you grab your Bibles and meet me in Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Uh, another thing that was happening while I was out is, man, y'all was having babies and getting engaged. I looked on social media and saw Ashton and Angela got engaged. And man, they're out of town and uh, also looked uh, and found out that Claude and Jalissa just had their baby. Keep her in prayer. She was in the hospital again and she I think she got out today or yesterday. Um, so keep them in prayer. Gabe is back from paternity leave. Let's thank God for Gabe. Man, Gabe was out for three weeks and then he came back and I was out for three weeks. So I, I literally haven't seen Gabe in uh, in six weeks. And so it, it's good to it's good that, you know, God is still moving, still doing some things. Carlos as well, that preached last week, is also expecting another child. Is he having a girl? Do y'all know? That brother need to get a shotgun. Just saying. But it's, it's, it's really good that, you know, when you go away, you can still see, uh, I, I, I gauge uh, health of a church by um, people getting first converted to Jesus, but also babe, having babies, getting married, getting engaged, that's signs of health. And we should stop and celebrate that. And man, thank God for that. Because you never know when your day is coming. All right. I need somebody waiting for their Boaz to be like... Y'all so stupid. Well, listen, I, I'm excited to get into the word of God. Um, I, I've, I've been Because I've been on vacation, I said some reckless things in the first service. So, I, Yes, I did. Or I'm going to just jump right in. Psalm 55 is where we're going to be. Can we thank God for Ty as well? She's back as well. She got that hair today. All right, B, she does look cute. Y'all pick me up in verse four, Psalm 55. Last time I was with you guys, I don't know if you remember, but I preached from Psalms 23. Talked about our great shepherd and um, really looked at how Jesus shepherds his, his flock and shepherds his body. Apparently the Lord won't let me out of the book of Psalms because now we're back in Psalm, Psalm 55. Pick me up in verse four. It says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror, oh, horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge into the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. If you could do me a favor and jump to verse 16. But I call to God, and the Lord, watch the confidence, will save me. Please underline verse 17. There's a lot in it. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Want to Get Away. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes you just want to get away. 
Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we dig in. Lord, we are back at it again. And because we're back at it again, we realize, oh God, our desperate need for you. We cannot understand this passage without the Holy Spirit moving in this room. So would you use me, oh God, as a vessel to speak to your body? And would you use the body? Would you remove the spiritual earwax so that they can hear what it is that you're saying to your church? Father, I pray, oh God, that you would get in our business today. You would convict us, that you would dig deep, that you would expose the areas that we've kept hidden from others. Father, would you do that today? Ultimately, Lord, may Jesus Christ be proclaimed from this passage. One to me, if I preach not the gospel, may the glorious news of a savior be preached today from this passage. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Want to get away. Over the last few weeks, because I was on vacation, one of the things that uh, we built into a part of our vacation is a little bit of travel. So because we built in a little bit of travel, we decided that we were going to do a couple of stops on our vacation this year. And so we went to uh, JFK and we jumped on a flight on British Air and we flew into Heathrow, the Heathrow Airport, which is in London. While in Heathrow Airport, that was not our final destination, but that was just a connecting flight. We then flew into Faro, uh, uh, Portugal. After we were in the airport, we had to drive about an hour to get to the southern tip, the most southern part of Portugal, which is Lisbon. Not Lisbon, which is uh, 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 Lagos. And while we were there, we decided that, you know, it, it, we, we stayed enough time there and we wanted to see a different part of Portugal. So we took a four hour train ride up north into Lisbon, which is the capital of Portugal. And then we headed back down, spent a few more days. And I'm giving you all my itinerary, spent a few more days down uh, in Lagos before heading back to the airport to jump on a flight to not come back to JFK, but to go back to London. But we didn't fly back into Heathrow. We flew into Gatwick Airport and got to spend some time in London and hang out with the London crew. Shout out to the London crew if you're listening. Got to hang out with them for a little bit. And uh, then we boarded a flight uh, back at Heathrow Airport, went back to JFK. And one of the things I noticed in all of my travel is I got pretty well acquainted with the international airports that I was in. But it helped me to realize uh, our domestic airports. And one of the things I noticed when I travel is that people really have strong opinions about their preferred airlines. For, for example, y'all may hate on this, but for example, I, I like American Airlines. And the reason I like American Airlines is because I see y'all shaking your head. <laughs> the reason I like American Airlines is because I've been flying with them for a bit. And because I've been flying with them for a bit, uh, it, it's, I've built up some frequent flyer miles. And so I, I like them. I'm waiting for my free trip to Hawaii. And so I'll keep flying with them and putting my flyer miles. In. But, but I know there's some ungodly people in here that like Southwest. I know it. Y'all like it because it's cheap. But hear me and hear me well. If you're not in group A or group B, you got to stand in that line that wraps all the way around to the other gate. And you probably won't get your bags in the overhead. But one of the things I noticed when I was walking through JFK heading out to vacation is I noticed Southwest slogan on a banner at a Southwest terminal and their slogan literally said, want to get away. And as much as I hate Southwest, I couldn't help but identify with their slogan. I couldn't help it arrested my attention because I realized that their slogan of want to get away is very consistent with most of us in this room. All of us in this room have had that situation where we just wanted 
to get out of it. Maybe it is a marriage that is on the brink of divorce or an unruly child that uh, you are ready to kick out of the house and you want to get away from them. Don't act like that don't happen. If you didn't say, oh man, amen, maybe you were that child that your parent was ready to kick out. Uh, maybe it's a job that is so stressful that you are ready to quit and you want to get away. Or maybe it's maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's family drama. And instead of cussing your family out, you would rather just get away. All of us have experienced that moment where we just wanted to run. We just wanted to disconnect. But when I read this passage, it really helps me to understand that that's not isolated. But David should help us to identify that that's actually common. The feeling of wanting to get away, even though getting away doesn't help the situation, is still there when you get back. But, but David helps us to realize that wanting to get away is very natural. And so in the text today, David is going to show us, and I would say one of his most vulnerable texts, one of his, his most vulnerable psalms. I think this is such a vulnerable psalm here because he's expressing anguish and he's expressing a deep deep hurt in his life and you know if you look at the inscription above the text stay with me I got to lay a little foundation here the inscription above the text says that it was written by David but many commentators have suggested that it is not David who wrote this song that they have suggested that scholars down through the years have attributed this psalm to David because it sounds like David, but David didn't actually write. In other words, they're accusing David of being an ancient Cardi B where the lyrics is tight, but she ain't write it. So they're, they're accusing David of slapping his name on there, but David didn't write it. But I beg to differ because when you read Psalm 55, it is consistent with how David writes. But not only is it consistent with how David writes, it points to a specific situation in David's life. In this passage, it's going to point to in this psalm, it points to when David was afraid for his life because of Absalom. Someone say Absalom. I don't know if you know much about Absalom, but there's a couple things you should know. One's important and one's not. Here's the one that's not important. Uh, Absalom was a handsome dude. You, you know you cute when the Bible says you cute. In fact, let me, let me just read a, a passage for a little Bible here. Second Samuel chapter 14 verse 25 says, No one in Israel was as handsome and as well built as, uh, as Absalom. Touch your neighbor and say he had a hot boy summer every summer. That's Absalom. In fact, the, the, the text will go on in verse 26 of, of 2 Samuel 14. The text goes on to say that once a year he would cut his hair. And when he would cut his hair, they would weigh his hair. And his hair came out to five pounds. That is a lot of hair. But this is, this is how attractive and charismatic David, he used natural products. That's why his hair grew like that. But David, but, but, David, but David is afraid of Absalom and David is hurt by Absalom's betrayal because Absalom in, the, in this passage is trying to betray David and take the throne from him. And so Absalom, yes, yes, he's handsome, but here's the stinger. Absalom is David's third son. Like, you know, you got family issues when your son isn't just trying to take over the throne, but you got to understand they didn't have voting booths in ancient times. They didn't have an electoral college in ancient times. You rose to the rank of king by being shanked in the shower. That was it. By being stabbed while you were sleeping, the new king would rise to the, uh, to the, to the ranking of king. And so what, what, what you notice in this text is he's being honest here about the betrayal that he is facing with his son. 
And if it was an enemy, it might be different. If this, if this was somebody who was in competition with David, we might not get Psalm 55, but we get Psalm 55 because it was somebody close. In fact, I'm not going to preach it, but look at verse 12 real quick. It says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolent, insolently with me. Then I could hide from it. But it is you, a man of equal, my companion, my familiar friend. It is David's own son that is trying to betray him. And that like you think you got family issues. David is hurt right now. David is full of anxiety right now. David is full of contention right now because his son is trying to betray him. And what he lays out in Psalm 55 is a very honest and open and vulnerable passage, only to be rivaled in vulnerability with Psalm 51. Psalm 51, if y'all, if y'all know anything about Psalm 51, it's David's repentance after I messed up in the first service, so I won't do it here, after he slept with Bathsheba. He sleeps with Bathsheba. Those who in the first service know why I'm trying to be careful here. He sleeps with Bathsheba in And what we get from that is a repentance in Psalm 51. That is the only place that we've seen him be as vulnerable as he is. But Psalm 55, he's laying it all out. Psalm 55, he's letting you and I in on the inner turmoil that he has. In fact, why don't you pick me up? Let's consider the text. Verse four says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. Please note the words that he uses. There are seven words that he uses in verse four and verse five that lets us in on the inner turmoil. He he uses words like anguish, terrors, death, fear, trembling, horror, overwhelmed. David is having a full out panic attack in Psalm 55. David in Psalm 55 is letting us in on how hurt he really is. And here's my question. If David can be honest about his internal panic attacks and his internal anxiety, why do you hide yours? Okay. Why do you come with the church face on and and over spiritualize your trauma when the king of Israel is letting it all out there? Like, you got to understand, this is the same David that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he's a young shepherd boy and he's bringing the boys uh, in the army their lunch and he overhears an uncircumcised Philistine. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the army of the Lord? And the Bible says that he picks up a smooth stone and he puts in a slingshot and he strikes Goliath in the head. But, But that's not it. He's such a warrior that he then goes to Goliath and takes him and cuts his head off. That David was fearless in 1 Samuel 17. But that David is fearful in Psalm 55. This is the same David that when he was uh, caring for the sheep, the Bible says that he was telling Saul that a lion came. Y'all remember this story? And a lion came and he, he grabs one of the lambs. And when he grabs one of the lambs, the Bible says that David goes up to the lion, pulls the lamb out of his mouth, and the Bible slows down and says he grabs the lion's beard and he kills it. Okay, but that, that's not enough. He, a bear then comes. And after a bear came, he kills that too. That David is fearful in Psalm 55. This is the same David that when he was walking with Saul and Israel was singing praises to their king Saul, they said, Saul kills a thousand, but David slains ten thousands. In other words, David was a warrior. 
David was bold. David was brazen. David was fearless. But even though he was fearless, he's fearful in Psalm 55. What is it that made him so fearful? The betrayal, not a lion, not, not, not a bear, but the betrayal of his own family. And because of that, he lets it all out there and he says, I got issues. I got issues. Even though I'm the king of Israel, I'm going to put my pen to the paper and I'm going to tell you inside. He's not talking about a physical threat. Everything he just laid out was internal wrestle. And some of you in here, you walk in here with the church face and you over spiritualize your trauma and you don't want to let anybody in on the fact that you're dealing with issues. Like you're sitting here looking at me today, you writing notes and you got your cute face on and nobody knows what you're dealing with. But the king of Israel was able to be honest. Why are you not honest about your issues? Listen, we know your marriage is falling apart. Huh? We, we, we know you got issues, but you come in and you're like, no, nah, we're good. Well, why do you hide that? Well, why, why do you act like you're not like, let's be honest. Don't act like you're not upset when you see others get engaged and you're still single and you're going, God, but I'm, I'm lonely, God. Like, like wh- why do we hide that stuff when God is like, no, you can lay it all out there because the king of Israel lays it all out there. And he's not afraid to say I'm hurting. Some of you, re- honestly, you, what you need is not a church service. Some of you need therapy. That's the deepest thing I'm going to say, all service. Listen, some of us in this room need to deal with our issues with a professional. And that's, see, we made it taboo. When I was growing up to have therapy and counseling was, it seemed like something was wrong with you. But if your leg was broke, you go to the doctor. Why is it when my emotions are broke, I hide it? But, but David's not hiding it. David is laying it all out there. And some of you, you need a good therapy session. Look at your neighbor and say, you just need a nap. You, you, you need a good cry. You, you just need to get it out. You, you need a good. And hear me as your pastor. I'm not telling you something that I, I don't personally wrestle with. Biweekly, I sit on someone else's couch so they can counsel me biweekly. And I don't skip it. Why? Because I know that I got internal issues that I need to not over spiritualize and come in and say, great. Are you Lord? And then go out and act like I don't have issues. No, I need help. I need help. And so when I read Psalm 55, I realize that David is like, I need help, too. And I'm going to express that I'm in pain. I'm going to express that I have internal issues. And he uses words like my heart is anguish within me. He says fear and trembling come upon me. Some of you, I'm telling you, I'm not that you need more help than just the body. You need more help than just Sunday morning. You need more help than just DNA. But God has given us professionals to ask you the right question. God has given us professionals to help work through your issues. And what we would rather do is run from our issues. But God is like, no, deal with it. But I've given you help to help you with the issues that you're dealing with. And, and that, that's what we need to do. Some of you just need a vacation. Listen, I feel good. I've been going for three and a half weeks. I sat on the beaches of Portugal eating sardines. I don't even eat sardines. But the fish was so daggone fresh. I was eating cheap food, cheap fish and enjoying long midnight walks with Ty. And I came back and I got energy. I feel a little stress free. I feel a little I feel a little bit more umph in my walk. And some of you, you're giving yourself out too much, but you're depleting yourself and you just need time off. You need a day. You need a day with God. My, one of my old pastors say you need a dog, a D-A-W-G, a day alone with God. That's what you need. 
you just need time. You, you need time to heal. You need time to process and you need time to be honest. And so what David does in Psalm 55 in verses four and five, he, he shows us, he lays it out there, how much stress he's under. So my, my heart is in anguish within me and terrors and death are upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. The heart overwhelms me. It's so much that verse six, he says, I just want to get away. Look, look at verse six. It says, and I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away here. You know, he's searching for rest because he says, and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge into the wilderness. I would hurry to find a to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. What, what, what David is doing here is David's first reaction to his anxiety is not trust in God. It's getting away. Are you, did you read that with me? He expresses it in verse four. He expresses it in verse five. Verse six, he says, I just got to get out of here. I just got to get away from this. If I get away from this, then I will be at peace. We know he's searching for peace, he says, because if I had wings like a dove, I'd fly away and find rest. But do you know that rest sometimes, sometimes rest is not the absence of issues. It's trusting God in the midst of the issues. Because I, I'm just a firm believer that God always adds a little bit of trauma to your life. You, you all, do you know the world that you live in? You know the family you were born into? I need somebody that got a dysfunctional family. Say, I always got issues. And what, what, God, what God does is he doesn't often remove you from the issue. He shows you, you can trust me that I got your back in the middle of the issue. And some of you, that's what you've been doing. You've been trying, you've been doing like David. You've been trying to run away to find shelter but the shelter you're, you're running to often ain't healthy. Can, can I talk right in here? Some of you, where, where you are running to is, see, this is why people run to drugs. The reason people run to drugs, if you ask someone who is addicted to drugs, they will say, I'm just trying to escape reality. They're trying to get away. So what we do with drinking, we drink our problems. We're functional alcoholics. Some of you sip way too much. You just do. You just always got to be nice. And the reality is you're trying to escape your issues. And maybe it's not as deep as drinking. Maybe it's not as deep as drugs. But some of you binge watch TV too much. See, I knew I wasn't going to amen. If you watch a three, if you watch three seasons of a series in two days, you got a problem. And you need a job. I mean, that's all you do is watch TV. But some of us, that's how we escape reality, because what we do is we get so deep into this series. And I know it's good, but we get so deep into it that we escape reality and we enter into a world that's not reality. Some of you is overeating. You eat your problems away. You got issues. Instead of going to therapy, I'm going to just I'm going to just have another plate. I'm going to supersize it. I'm going to keep eating. And what we do is see, this is real. This is real, but this is what we do. This is how we deal with our issues. And all of those bring extra problems. Some of us deal with it through crazy sexual escapades. Knew I wasn't going to get an amen right there either. <laughs> See, Salon said it this way in Cranes in the Sky. So Salon says, I sex it away. Can you identify with that? Where you want to get away and the greatest way to numb the issue is to get perverted. But that's what we do. And well, all of that stuff doesn't bring rest. Remember, David says, I want to get away to find rest. None of that brings rest. That's temporary pleasure. Because when you're done sexing it away, the issue's still there. When you're done overeating, the issue's still there. 
when you're done with the alcohol, the issue is still there. What you need is peace that Jesus can give. And only Jesus. Well, what does Jesus say? Come to me and you'll find rest. He, he is the rest. He, he is the joy that you are searching for. You are trying to escape the wind and the tempest. But what you need is Jesus because Jesus is the one that can keep you sane in the middle of it. If he doesn't remove you out of it. See, I'm not that that preacher that's going to say you come to Jesus and everything will get better. I'm actually the opposite. You come to Jesus. He always lights you up. You come to Jesus and he turns up the fire and he does it because he wants to know, do you rely on him or yourself? He wants to know, do you trust him? I love the way the scriptures say it blesses the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. David ain't trusting the Lord in verse six. David ain't trusting the Lord in verse seven. David ain't trusting the Lord in verse eight. How do I know? Because he's running instead of dealing with his issues by trusting in the one who can deal with it. So God might not move the trauma. Now, I'm going to just be honest. God might not move the situation. He, he, he might not. You might got to deal with it for the rest of your life. But do you depend on him? Do you trust him? Do you know that God has your back? I told of a story of a professor that he wanted the, the class to know what perfect peace was. So he pulls out all of these canvases and he pulls out paintbrushes and paint. And he says, draw the perfect picture of perfect peace. Whatever that looks like, whatever perfect peace looks like for you, draw that picture. And they get out the paintbrushes and they start to draw. And one of the guys drew himself on a beach, relaxing with calm waves. Someone else draws himself on the golf course. And that was his place of zen. That was his place of perfect peace. But there was one student when when the teacher, when the professor was walking by, he sees his canvas and he notices that he draws dark skies and and huge waves and rain and he draws he draws lightning he paints lightning and the the professor was convinced that he didn't understand the instructions so he says to the student he says you don't understand the instructions the instructions was to draw a place of perfect peace and the student says oh you you're missing it because in the midst of all of the storm he drew a bird with a musical note he says see that bird still got a song in the middle of the storm and that's what god will do to you In the midst of turmoil, what took others out, you sing through. What made others depressed, you still got your right mind. And how do I know you got your right mind? Because you made it to church today. Others stayed in the bed with with the covers over their head. But you got perfect peace because you got a perfect savior. You got perfect peace because you have a perfect master. You have perfect peace because you have a perfect Lord, and that's what I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't just say I am the peace. He shows you how much he is the peace. Anybody ever was ready to lose your mind and then God showed up and showed you peace? He showed up and showed you he's the one that's able to restore and keep you. Look at your name and say, God's always had my back. Look at somebody else and say, God's always got me. I ain't ever got to worry if God got me. He, he, he got me. I know that's not good English, but that's, that's good theology. God got me. God always got me. He, he's never, and he says stuff. I mean, you know, I, I trust him so much. He says, he says stuff like in Matthew 28, he says, I will never leave them nor forsake them. Like, do you know how great that promise is? That he says to you, there's not a moment, there's not a situation, there's not a millisecond that you have gone through life that Jesus ain't been there. Why? Because he said himself, and he's not a liar. He said himself, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so he is our perfect peace. I put Bible there. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three says he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind 
stayed on him. So I came this morning back from vacation to tell you to hang in there. Like, don't, don't give up. Don't give up because it seems like your world is caving in. You, you can make it. Why? Because you have a good Savior. And so how, how does this type of peace happen? Pastor, I hear you. I can have peace in the midst of the storm. I can have peace in the midst of, uh, of, of the chaos. But how do I get that? How do I get that peace? Well, I told you therapy is good. I, I told you you need a vacation. I told you you need a good nap and a good cry. And all those are good. But here's one biblically. He shows us in verse 16 how you can get that peace. Here it is. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Okay, that's a prayer life. Verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears me. David knew that the only way out of his issues was constant communication with God. See, see, we don't pray enough. We are so prayerless. I've never seen such a prayerless generation. My grandmother would pray all day, every day. Anybody had a grandmother that prayed all the time? You had to pray before meals. You had to pray what street you was walking down. You had to pray what you was putting on that day. That's how my grandmother used to pray down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. But we go through our days and we do not communicate with God. And David understood that I can't be this, this season. And that's what we do. When life hits us, we stop communicating with God. And so David is like, no, I'm not I'm not going to hang up my prayer life because I'm going through. No, this is the time for me to press in. This is the time for me to give it over to the Lord. And some of you need to step your prayer game up. You know what distracts us from prayer? What distracts us from prayer is those devices you have in your hand. My son the other day, no, my oldest son, no lie. He walks around the house and he says, everybody, give me your phone because I want to check everybody's usage. So we, we submitted to him. I didn't even know you could do this. He grabs the phone. He, he goes into settings and he goes into, to, to, what was it, screen time. And when you click on screen time, you literally can see all of the apps and how long you've been in each app. You can see how long you've been on the phone, how long you've been on Facebook, how long you've been in them DMs that you shouldn't be in, how long you, he see, he, I mean, you can just see it all. And he looks at all of our stuff. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was convicted. I was convicted because I realized when I looked at the average daily use on my phone, it succeeded how much I pray. Okay. See, here's my challenge to you this afternoon. My challenge to you is to go in your phone, go to settings, go to screen time, and look and see how long you've been on your phone. And once you see the average daily time, which is the biggest number on the screen, once you see that, match that in prayer this week. So if it says you've been on your phone for an average of an hour and a half, how about you pray an hour and a half? But why do we, we would rather communicate on social media than we would with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We would rather communicate with our best friend more than we do God. We would sit on the phone until we fall asleep before we communicate with God until you fall asleep. And God is like, listen, I ain't mad. I just miss you. I just want to talk to you. Come to me because it is in prayer that you realize that God ain't that far. He's actually near. It is in prayer that you realize that you might feel like God is far. You might feel like your prayer hit the ceiling and came back down. But it is in prayer that you realize that God actually is close. Because if he was far, you wouldn't feel anything. The fact that you feel far is, is proof that he's actually close. And it is prayer that shows us that. And so I don't want you to just note that he prayed. Because David could pray one time. And we all could be like, all right, well, he prayed one time. I can do that. But David didn't just pray one time. Watch how consistent he was. 
Verse 17. Y'all still with me? Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan to the Lord. Do you know in ancient Hebrew time that they would consider a full day evening to morning? So we consider a full day morning to evening. But in ancient times, it was evening to, to, to morning. In fact, when, when God created the universe, the last verse of Genesis chapter one, God says, after he looked around, he said, it is good. He said, and there was evening and morning showing us a full day. But David, when he considers his prayer life, doesn't just consider the day. He considers the consistency in his prayer because he says evening, morning. Is this in your Bibles? And noon. In other words, I pray all day about this situation. I'm constantly communicating with God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we were constantly communicating with God? We never got far away from a prayer. Where we had to make that decision, instead of just quickly making it, we said, wait a second, I just got to go in the bathroom for five minutes. And I got to pray. See, your life should be marked by two types of prayers. The first prayer is, there should be, if you have carpet in your house, there should be knee prints in the carpet because you're kneeling before the Lord in a lengthy prayer. And then your life should be marked by popcorn prayers. You're going through life and you're constantly communicating with God. And that's what David is doing. David shows us that does not mean David sat in a room and prayed all day. That means as David went through his life, he was calling on the Lord. So he says, I call to God and the Lord will answer me evening and morning and noon, showing us consistency. But don't just note consistency in verse 17. There's a lot in verse 17. Note the content of his prayer. The content of his prayer in verse 17 says, I utter my complaint. And moan. In other words, David realized that his his life was in such shambles, he had no time for cute, well-crafted prayers. He had no time to say, Father of Jacob and Isaac. No, he had you ever had that prayer where you had to say, Lord, what's up? Oh, see, y'all not there with the Lord. See, there are some there's some situations that the Lord put me in. I'm like, Lord, seriously? You don't see my faithfulness? Don't act like y'all don't pray that. You, you, you don't see me giving to the church. You don't see me being faithful to my spouse, even though dudes is hollering. And you, can, Y'all ever pray that type of prayer where you are honest with God? And see, this is what I love about God. God isn't, he's not overwhelmed nor offended by your complaint. In fact, he would go so far. David goes on. I'm getting ahead. David goes on in, in verse 22 and says, cast your burdens on the Lord. God wants it. He desires you to bring your issues to him. And, you know, he will not kill you for complaining about him. Okay, let me put theology here. David is the deepest thing I'm going to say all all sermon. David wrote Psalm 55, but after complaining to the Lord, you would think that God killed him, but he didn't kill him. You know how I know? Because he wrote Psalm 56. Like David didn't die because he wrote, because he complained to the Lord. He still is alive. And if David can complain to the Lord without being killed, you should be able to complain to the Lord and feel confident. Now, be respectful. He fooling around, open up heaven and zap you with something. You be out. Be respectful. But you you can. God is okay if you if you're honest with him. God is okay if you bring because this is what we do as humans. We we complain about God instead of complaining to God. Stop gossiping on God. Stop going to your friend and be like, let me tell you what God did to me. God is like, tell me. I'm big enough. I can handle it. Communicate with me. And so what David shows us is not just consistency. David shows us that he was honest in his prayers. But not just that. I'm going to end here. David's not just consistent. David's not just honest. But David's desire and delight is shown in verse 17. 
He ends by saying, he says, evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and moan. Here it is. And he hears my voice. In other words, David's rejoicing, not over the fact that God answered his prayer. Nowhere in Psalm 55 did David get his prayer answered. David did not grow wings and fly away. In other words, God kept him in the midst of his issue. So his joy is not in God answering the prayer, which is where most of our joy is. His joy in the fact that God hears me. That God, I have divine access to the king of kings. I have an audience with God. How many of you rejoice not over answered prayers, but that he hears you? And understand something about God hearing you. You are a sinner deserving of death. I am a sinner deserving of disconnection from a holy God, but Jesus Christ bridges the gap. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the one that makes it possible for God to hear you. Because if it was not for Jesus dying for your sins, then you have to die for your sins. But Jesus dies for your sins and gives you divine access. And I love it because Hebrew says you can come boldly before the throne of grace. I ain't got to tiptoe into the presence of God. I can come boldly. Boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because I love the fact that God hears me. I know you felt like you've been praying for a while and about that one situation. You feel like God don't hear it. Like, I know you're going, Pastor, how do you know you? I, I feel like you're talking to me. I am talking to you. I'm talking to you today because here's the reality. God hears you. God, God, like, I know it feels like that prayer hit the ceiling and came back down, but God heard it. Now, the fact that he didn't answer it doesn't mean that he doesn't hear it, but he hears everything. And I love God because he hears everything and only answers what's according to his will. And thank God, because if God, if God said no, you ever been angry with God because he said no to something or he was silent on something? My, my pastor, Dr. Mason, will say it this way. It's better that you obey God's no than do it anyway and find out why he said no. That's the worst. Where you run ahead of God and you do it and God be like, well, go ahead. Let me show you why I was saying no. Because here's what here's who you're communicating to. You're not communicating with someone who knows tomorrow. You're communicating with someone who's in tomorrow. You're not communicating with somebody who knows next week. You're communicating with somebody that's in next week. You're not communicating with someone that knows a decade from now, but you're communicating with a God that not only created the decade from now, but he's in it right now. Who is it in this room? You're full of anxiety. You're full of stress. You're full of turmoil. That situation feels like it's going to take you out. I have good news. Came back from the beaches of Portugal to tell you that God hears and he sees. And he always has had your back. He's he's always been there. But here's what you need to do. You need to step up your prayer game. He misses you. you. You you need to communicate with God because. He desires to be in relationship with you. Every head bow and every eye close. Before we move into communion, I'm convinced that there's somebody in this room that knows that you're in the midst, like you're, you're at the brink of losing your mind. I can't promise relief. I wouldn't promise relief because I don't know if relief is what you need. You actually might need the fire turned up. I know that sounds crazy. I know that's anti-cultural. Our, our, our reaction is to get out. But you actually might need to stay in a little bit longer. Maybe you're undone. Maybe you're half-baked. God is trying to prune you and develop you. There are no wasted seasons with God. There are no seasons in your life where God is like, I can't use that one. He uses everything because he's sovereign.
Who is in this room that you know that you've been having issues and you're in a season where you're ready to run? You're in a season where you're ready to quit, ready to give up because the anxiety has overwhelmed you. The words that David uses marks your life anguish, terror, fear, trembling, overwhelmed. God said, bring your, cast all your burdens on me. Then he goes on. I love it because he says, I will sustain you. If that's you, if you know that you're ready to give up and you need the sustaining power of Christ, do me a favor. We don't have a lot of time. Can you just run down to the altar? If that's you, all sermon, you're like, that's me. He's talking to me. Please run down to this altar and hear me. I'm on the altar today. Please come on. If that's you, don't be fearful. Thank you for priming the pump. Don't be fearful. Come down. Y'all move on in because we got to do business with the Lord. If you know that you haven't been honest with God, David is so honest in Psalm 55. But if you know you haven't been honest with God and honest about your feelings. And you haven't only lied to God and lied to yourself, but you've lied to the person sitting next to you about your issues. Run down to the altar. Because there's peace and restoration. Listen, the, the restoration didn't end the altar. This is just prayer. The restoration is giving it to the Lord. Father, I pray for everybody on this altar. See familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces. And even though they're unfamiliar to me, they're familiar to you. Not only is their face familiar, but their situation, you know about it. You are not in heaven confused on how they got into it. But you use it for your glory. And if we're honest, oh God, as we're sitting on this altar, if we're honest, we are ready to quit. We are ready to give up. We are ready to throw in the towel. And so, Father, what we need is rest, not the absence of issues, but we need you. Need you to care for us. Need you to pastor us. Need you to comfort us. Lord, I I don't want to downplay the trauma on this altar or the trauma that's in the seats. I don't want to downplay it, Lord. Somebody in this room has gone through something serious and they're in desperate need of help. But help them to realize, Lord, that the best help they can have is trusting in you. But not just trusting in you because prayer shows us dependency on you, but you you also give us the body. May we confess to somebody else what we're dealing with. May we stop trying to hide it. If the king of Israel could be honest, Lord, help us to be honest. Lord, I pray, oh God, for the one on this altar that does need therapy. That is over-spiritualizing their trauma. I pray for that person. I pray, Lord, I want to get charismatic in this prayer. I pray for the resources to be available for them to get therapy. I pray for the insurance to kick in so that they can get therapy. I pray for the copay to be paid every time. Because that is what we need, oh God, we need help. And so Father, I I plead with my brothers and sisters on this altar, oh God, that you would be so kind, oh God, to hear us and to answer us. It is in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen.